Good, uh, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Political Tipster. Uh, so we've just had the podcast on the elections in Northern Ireland, and now we turn our focus to another uh, of the UK's nations. Uh, we'll be looking at the local elections in Wales today. And uh, with me today, I've got another special guest. Um, he is the candidate, well, the SDP candidate for uh, the Pontnef Fryth Ward um, for the Welsh local elections. So uh, welcome to the show, uh, Jacob Pearce. Thank you for having me. Uh, could you just give a little introduction to yourself, your, your political journey and why, why you're running? Well, uh, I think my political journey really started off with the with the whole Brexit thing, the, the delay in the Brexit made me join UKIP. This is prior to the Brexit party. So I joined UKIP for about a year. Quickly, then it started going downhill. The Brexit party emerged. I joined the Brexit party, hoping to hope, get Brexit done. Although, honestly, I didn't have any strong opinions on uh, Brexit at that point. It was more to do with the whole democratic mandate. Okay. But uh, once Brexit was done, well, then in 2019, I I joined the SDP straight away because I, I agreed with much of their policies. I believed in a in a party that wasn't so focused on woke or anti-woke issues, but rather on just generally the British people. I thought this is a great thing. This is a this they have a great set of policies. I'm just going to join them, and uh, that's sort of the path I went on. It's just I think it's pretty much a general path that a lot of people have probably been on in the SDP, but I'm quite happy with it. <laughs> Very nice. And is this your first time campaigning in an election? No, I did campaign with the Brexit Party in 2019. Um, I actually campaigned with someone who I'm now running against in the council election. <laughs> um, and we obviously we didn't win, <laughs> but um, we we made some good progress, I think, and I find it quite a pleasurable and enjoyable experience. You get to meet people from different backgrounds, you get to talk to the different experiences. It also broadens your view rather than being stuck in this sort of uh, discussion group in your regional chairmanship or what have you. You've got a wider range of opinions. You've got a wider range of people to talk to, and you can better formulate your opinions and better, better understand what people actually want. And uh, has everyone been uh, friendly to you, or have you had a few uh, nasty shocks? Surprisingly, everyone's been friendly. I think it might be because we're just we're not overly known in Wales at the moment. Compared to the Brexit party, where we had many more nasty shocks in the Brexit party, <laughs> I think it's been quite a pleasant, uh, quite a pleasant campaign. We've, uh, I think we've made quite a bit of progress. We actually, I think we've, yeah, we've finally fully leafleted the area, and now we're going to go over it, the earlier parts that we've leafleted and canvas, and hopefully uh, win some votes. Oh, very nice. I. Uh... I have a few scars left from uh, campaigning uh, back in my Labour Party days. I was, uh, I think, I was seventeen or eighteen in the uh, Yeah, I was eighteen years old in the two thousand seventeen election. And honestly, the first door I knocked on 
Um, a guy just went mental at me, calling me an IRA sympathizer because uh, I was campaigning on behalf of Jeremy Corbyn's Labour and uh, that put me off campaigning for a while. But uh, uh, with, with the SDP, it's, uh, yeah, it's been a lot nicer because uh, unfortunately with, with Labour now, there's, there's quite a sour taste in the mouth of a lot of people. But uh, with the SDP, I've generally had some... Uh, some very nice conversations with people and uh, yeah, it's been very pleasant. I mean, I could tell you a story about uh, campaigning, but quite a few from the Brexit party. I think we've uh, it had a similar sort of displeasure about it, but I think emotions <laughs> at that time were raw anyway, 2017, 2019, oh, yeah. with the Brexit betrayal and stuff like that. I think emotions were, and if you were a Rainer, you probably also felt quite raw that yeah. it was taken so long and it, it probably felt like a slap in the face. <laughs> and uh, for your ward, what um, areas or issues have you been mostly focused on or will be focusing on with your canvassing? We've, we've already done quite a bit of canvassing so far, but... The, so far, a lot of issues have come up on the doorstep, and one major one is just overall council incompetency. I mean, prime example is that there was a scandal. Uh, I don't have the exact figures or any articles here, but there was a scandal in uh, throughout uh, started around twenty seventeen. It, it carried on for quite a while, but um, the chief executive was supposed to lower his wages. He didn't court case ensued and four million pounds roughly was wasted i think wow yes about that which obviously is quite ridiculous and then on top of that you had the you have the ish, uh the situation where they bought a double-decker bus they <laughs> modified the bus and made all the modifications to cut down tree branches going across roads but <laughs> they didn't look into the legality of it <laughs> and they found they used it something like five, seven times. <laughs> and they wasted, well, they probably wasted a few thousand on it at least. And yeah, and you can continue on with stuff like that. I think mm. when, you, when you're in government in a council or nationally that long, I think you slowly become, um, slowly become complacent because you know you're always going to get in. So you slowly sort of discare. There's a discaring type mm. thing, if you get what I, I'm an trying to put across. An, indi an indifference to all of this. And it gets shoved to the back of, back of your mind type thing. And you don't really care as, a, as someone active in it. But don't get me wrong. There are some fantastic Labour councillors. And a lot of them are very nice. I'm not going to bash them all. But uh, <laughs> overall, I think the council's been quite quite vigorously incompetent the past few years that's my opinion and i think that's the opinion that many of the voters are are uh, agreeing with me with mm -hmm. and uh well i think part of that has to do with the, the fact that labor has, has dominated for for so long there's a there's a bit of complacency at times but labor's dominance is something we'll touch upon a bit later mm. uh, just um, before we dive into the election itself, have there been any specific SDP policies that have gone down well on the door? 
Well, I don't think this is an overall... I don't think this is really election for SDP policies overall. Of course it is, because the council house building policy. But um, I, I don't think many policies from the actual SDP have gone down well, uh, has, have actually gone down at the door. Because obviously when, when you're in a local election, you have to curtail the SDP policies mm-hmm. to local issues. You have to, you, you have to um, focus all your policies on local issues. Because obviously... Stuff on a national level won't go down on, for example, the Welsh Assembly, uh, the Welsh Senate level, and stuff on the Welsh Senate level will not go down on, on a council level because it's all different structures of government, isn't it? It's different, different areas they deal with. Hence, why we've tried to specialise the policies a bit more, and and to the local area, put more bang on, like. Uh, trying to increase the number of buses around here at certain bus routes. Obviously, you wouldn't get increases a number, sorry about that, increase a number of certain bus routes um, in the STV policy, because that would be well, you we... know, too specific for a local area. But obviously, overall, STP policy would say we want to nationalise the buses or we want to um, improve local services, increase spending in yeah. local transport. And obviously, that will be part of it. You know, so okay. it does fit into SDP policy, and it is probably it would probably be SDP policy, but on the local level, it's not. It's the brand sort of job. A, hmm. but okay. I think a lot of our policies translated to a local level have gone down well. Sorry, I'm blabbering on a bit. <laughs> <laughs> no, no worries, no worries. It's something that uh, I I need to learn as well because, uh, well, the the last. Two years I've been trying to run and uh, just bumped into some misfortune. So uh, last time uh, I was in France and uh, I couldn't get back home for the uh, for the elections because of a new lockdown. And so uh, next year, ready to go. And uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. Mm. Um, well, I... I don't think there's much campaigning. Uh, there's much point campaigning in a lockdown or running for election in a lockdown anyway. Uh, yeah. But I, I think we'll talk a bit more about that later in yeah. Labour dominance. I think that's more relevant to that. So just to remind everyone, um, in Wales, so in England, normally we only vote a third of the council seats each year and then you have one year off uh, every four years but in Wales every council seat is up for election every five years um, so this year there's 22 councils in Wales uh, currently Labour control seven of those two are controlled by independents one by Plaid Cymru one by the Tories and there are 11 with uh, no overall control um, Interestingly, all seven of Labour's councils are in are in the south of Wales, and uh, in 2017 was it its worst elections? It lost over a hundred councillors and lost three councils, control of three councils. Um, one of its yeah, worst. I think, I think gradually, though, the sort of the Labour stronghold that is Wales is slowly sort of being sanded down. But I think it's 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 very similar situation of, of the north, obviously, as as the north of England, obviously. And um, and the the Tories actually had their best 
local elections in Wales last time gained uh, about 80 uh, councillors. Um, but uh, this year, we could see a return of Labour. Um, so what, what are the main issues um, that are encouraging voters to come out? What are people voting for? Um, well, obviously, I've said in, in Cthulhu Council, labour incompetence is one. Um, at least perceived labour incompetence. I don't want to slander anyone here. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so labour incompetence is one, which is why I think third parties, not necessarily the Tories, will be, do will be doing better in this election. And another one is, I think it's the cost of living crisis, quite evidently. Mm. I think so many people are affected by it, the increase in costs, and th there is a lot of worry about whether they'll be able to afford the next bills. I think another one that we've seen is the strain on local services. And there's, there are a plethora of others. Yeah, because uh, this April, it was a bit of a, just a month before the election, uh, there was essentially a double whammy hit for the the average Brit. So we, we've had the rising energy prices, uh, but also uh, our national insurance taxes have recently just increased. Mm. Um, are the Welsh speaking a lot about this? Mostly the cost of living overall, generally, just how will I be able to afford my next bill? Not so much the specific energy price increase, nor the um, national insurance, nor the national insurance increase, which both of which I'm sure that they are concerned about. It's just I haven't seen anyone specifically talk about it as of yet. Um, th these next couple of weeks will be more focused on canvassing, so we'll probably more hear more intellectual people. I'm not saying intellectual, because obviously people <laughs> specialise in different areas, but um, more people that are um, motivated in politics, probably a more correct phrasing, um, speak and voice their opinions on more complex issues that are quite hard for me to understand, <laughs> let alone the general public. <laughs> And um, one thing I wanted to just talk, touch upon briefly was uh, housing. Uh, because in Wales, uh, I have a, a friend of mine lives in, in Bangor, and uh, he was telling me that there's a, there's a big problem with uh, second home ownership in Wales, uh, a lot of... Um... That, that's, that's more mid-Wales. That's more mid-Wales. I, I think that is quite destructive it's hurting the culture of mid wales it's hurting welsh culture there overall which is why i think the welsh assembly did the their review uh, no apologies the welsh senate the welsh senate did the review into a uh, land into a land value tax which they might be proposing they're also doing the whole U, uh, ubi but you is it universal basic yeah ubi yeah uh, and they've also done other measures to sort of try and prevent the whole destruction of Welsh culture and the abandonment of towns, because certain towns are seasonal now. You know, yeah, you have yeah. people that actually live there whole year round. But that's what I've heard, in fairness, from Mid Wales. That's what I've heard from friends there, etc. But I, I personally am not from Mid Wales, so I can't 
really speak upon that to a to a great extent i just think it's quite terrible what's going on up there yeah. and i think actually the the welsh government has taken action and uh uh now councils are able to charge a premium of uh, 300% on mm. uh, second homes uh, as of april 2023 uh which has gone down quite well with the locals but uh, uh a few of I live in Altrincham. We have a few people with second homes in Wales. They're pretty furious about it. So, uh, mm. yeah, interesting policy. And um, well, recently we've we've had uh, Partygate. Uh, we've had uh, Boris Johnson and Rishi Sunak receiving fines. Has is that going to play? a part at all in the way people vote or is it really local issues dominate obviously there are local issues dominating but it will obviously play a factor because if the head of your political party is breaking laws his party or his government created then obviously people are going to be quite upset about that and going to be less likely to vote for that government that party and that's that's something that I think, which this is the reason why I think this election is one for smaller parties. Okay. Because it, it it's just prime, it's absolutely prime for smaller parties to take advantage of labour incompetence, perceived labour incompetence, or actual labour incompetence. Um, and also Tory, and also the Tory uh, party gate, mm. both of which absolutely terrible honestly and um so since pretty much the beginning of devolution uh i believe labor's been the, the biggest party in the senate um mm -hmm. and just when labor was crumbling across the whole of the uk in uh, last year's local elections Probably the biggest surprise of the 2021 elections was uh, Labour gaining 30 out of 60 seats in the Senate. Um, why do you think that Labour has been so particularly dominant in Wales compared to other parts of the UK? I don't, I don't, I think there's an overestimation on how dominant Labour have been in Wales. Because if you look at the We'll go back to the 2019 general election. The, the number of seats lost by the Tories in North England in the 2019 general election was, was about 24.8%. The number of seats lost in Wales in the 2019 general election was about 21.5%. Yes, it's a, it's a little lower in Wales, but it, it's, 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 a negligible, it's a negligible amount lower, really. But I think the, the issue was in 2021, is COVID. I think that was the main issue. Smaller parties, I mean, prime example, the smaller parties couldn't, they weren't able to campaign. Um, so that means smaller parties were less able to sort of get their voice out compared to what they used to be able to do, like UKIP in 2017. Prime example, actually, uh, what is it? Prime example is a person called uh, Neil McAvoy, who runs a party called Propel, and he was warned oh, yeah. by police for delivering a leaflet door to door. 
which, you know, that's obviously not a very good thing. So obviously people are going to be more inclined towards the main, major parties, and especially considering it's a time of crisis, perceived crisis, which was with COVID, people were worrying, which draw people to the whoever was already within government in in most mm. areas. So like in England, who was in government? The Tories. So it drew people towards the Tories. In Wales, who was in government? It was Welsh Labour. So it drew people towards Le- Welsh Labour. That's what I think is the main is mm. the main part of it. Something that struck out to me though is that uh so in Scotland, for example, Labour is perceived really as an English party. But in Wales, for me, it seems that uh, Welsh Labour has succeeded in cultivating a distinctly Welsh identity separate from UK Labour. Is that something you'd agree with? And do you think that's helped to their advantage? I, I think I think it is something I would agree with. I think growingly it is, they've moved direction i wouldn't say they've completely separated obviously they're still called labor they're still part of the labor organization overall but there is a a sort of welsh labor culture which is separate to that of overall uk labor but you could probably argue that there's a welsh uh there's a there's a scottish labor culture too in reality but uh yeah i'd i'd say that there are differences but you know, Wales isn't uh, another area of England. It's obviously going to be different. We're obviously going to have different types of politicians because of our language. We've got Welsh as a language. We've got uh, a rich history, a rich culture. And obviously, because of all that, it will influence the politicians here to be slightly different anyway. But mm. I, I do think there is, a, there is a somewhat purposeful move in direction away from the main Labour Party brand mm. to sort of create their own Welsh Labour. And just a little statistic to back that, actually, uh, Welsh Labour tend to have the highest constituency vote uh, where the proportion of the population was born in Wales, whereas the Tories tend to do better in areas where there's a lot of English-born population in in Wales. Uh, I think that's part of it. But I think a lot of that, mind you, you've got to consider that in a lot of areas in mid Wales, and in North Wales, a lot, well, for North Wales, a lot of the population is quite close to the border with um, Wrexham and Ragnarshaw. So a lot of Welsh people will be born in England too. Mm. But they're still Welsh because they're both their parents are Welsh and lived in Wales all their lives. Same in Mid Wales. In Mid Wales, is more because, from what I've heard from someone who was born in England who, who calls himself Welsh, because he, his parents were Welsh and he is a oh, Welshman, yeah. it's because the infrastructure there isn't very good in regard to the NHS. So a lot of Welsh people are born in England because it's nearest, it's the nearest area with good mm. medical services. Like so you can't, I, it's, it's a similar argument to what they tried to do before with the whole leave vote. They tried to argue that a lot of these areas um, have higher English born. And so therefore they're, um, and they voted leave, therefore, well, that was completely disproven for one, but therefore um, these areas are English and the English vote for Brexit. But that was, for one, completely disproven. You look at Monmouthshire, quite a large English-born um, number, low Brexit amount. You look at other areas in Wales, you have a similar thing. 
even Welsh speakers, it doesn't really match up with Welsh speakers. But I, I digress. The whole thing around it being to do with born, uh, with people born, I don't think it's overly accurate. I think it's probably somewhat accurate because a lot of English people that move here will will obviously have that impact, especially because they will be from richer backgrounds. Because if they move into mid Wales and they buy in a country house, they will obviously be from a richer background. But um, yeah, I, I don't think I don't think it's as prevalent. I think it's probably mm. about fifty percent of an impact. But I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's yeah. Yeah, I see. <laughs> and, and just finally on this segment, um, so in the in the last election, the, the Senate election, uh, Labour did, Welsh Labour did what uh, English Labour couldn't do, and that was to hold on to uh, leave voting seats. Do you think in post-COVID you... times that will continue, or was did... it really just? Sorry, did you say did you say the Senate election? Yeah. Um, yes. I I think I think COVID was a major factor in that. I think Brexit sort of took a back burner in that, which is why we had a different win in Wales, because obviously the leader of Wales is Mark Drayford, because he has effective control over the executive, the legislature. Hence why Wales voted. Uh, hence why Wales voted overwhelmingly Labour, where England voted more towards the Tory end because the leaders at the time, which I've said earlier, mm. were influential in that because of their action. People wanted stability and you don't get stability by voting for something different. I think you get stability and I think they know this, uh, the public knows this too. You get stability by voting for whoever's in power at the current time. And that's what the public wanted. They wanted something stable. They wanted something that they know would do what they would do at, at that point. And again, a lot of smaller parties were unable to campaign. I mean, again, Neil McAvoy is an example, but a lot of other examples are out there too of, of people being cautioned for giving out leaflets in the Senate election, which ideally they should have delayed the election, you know, from a democratic point of view. But obviously, from an opportunist point of view, the election was prime for most major parties, as in the Tories and Labour. <laughs> well, I think uh, every single incumbent uh, won, even in all the mayoral elections. Uh, mm. I can't. I can't think of one example where uh, somebody who was in power lost their power mm. or didn't increase on their power. So I think you're you're right in in that sense. Um, yeah, that's. Mm. But but something else that somebody pointed out. And uh, which I found, I felt it was quite true, and it, it felt it felt quite true. Was uh, someone was talking about pride in place, because the Remain Wales campaign, um, it, it, for me, it, it led a campaign of, of, of pride, pride in Wales, uh, well, whatever our opinion was. But whereas in England, the Remain England campaign really had quite a a vicious sort of campaign against uh, Brexiteers, sort of labelling people as Little Englanders. Do you, do you mean the 2016? Yeah, remain? referendum, referendum campaign. Yeah, but, uh, I, I honestly can't say I know too much about that because I was a little nipper at that time. 
<laughs> you know, I I wasn't old enough. For, I wasn't old enough to vote, let alone participate. Oh, doing the math now. Twenty twenty now. I would have been about 13, 14. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> so obviously I, I won't remember too much about that. But um but after, I know about afterwards, and you know, Wales was as well as England, Wales voted to leave the European Union. And after that, as I've said earlier, a lot of it was uh, them going, Oh, it was the English that voted for it. The English with English immigration voted for it, which ironically, I think, well, not ironically, but uh, um I think the morning started quite a good article on why that's not the case and why that's actually quite anti-Welsh because just because people um it wasn't it they tried to argue with first but then they tried to argue with like historic English people you know because the valleys had a <laughs> large amount of English immigration but then then you call in a lot of people from the valleys who I would say and who I would argue are very Welsh not Welsh and you know it, it gets into that sort of argument which is very demeaning of, of, of who is and who is not Welsh and I think that's a terrible argument to get into when you have a lot of patriotic Welsh people out there who are probably a unionist but may not be who want to leave the European Union and not just that a lot of plight themselves wanted to leave the European Union mm. you know so yeah there, there was an aspect of just um of Welsh pride in it probably but it, I, I don't think it was a Welsh pride necessary I think it was more just an excuse to remain rather and, than mm? Mm. and uh, as, as you said uh, Wales was a was a Brexit voting uh, country do you think that uh, the reasons for which the Welsh voted for Brexit are aligned to the sort of Tory global vision that we see today or do the Welsh have a different vision of what Brexit is? Well, obviously, I'm not all the Welsh people, so I can't yeah. really say. <laughs> but but I, I think there are a multitude of visions out there in Wales. I think there's there's one that is probably more along my path, which is we wanted less immigration. We wanted better control of our, over our borders. We wanted also uh, the sovereignty, the supremacy of Parliament to be returned to us from whence it was. Um, but then there's other sides too. There's the more free world, open open trade type side with the probably more Farageites on it. And I've tried to ask a few of my Brexit party friends and a few of my friends that are from Plaid who who vote who voted to leave, uh, and generally from Plaid uh, from my Plaid my Welsh nationalist friends had a more mixed response. Uh, they weren't overly fussed on it they just dislike the eu because of its undemocratic nature and it's mm. um it's stripping away of sovereignty and then a lot of the brexit party friends just you know <laughs> the <laughs> typical brexit party answer which is more libertarian but that's current brexit party slash reform party uh, friends, yeah. not past ones because obviously Prior to Richard Tice's takeover, they were mm. really uh, much more centre in an economic sense. Yeah. But uh, I think that's probably a different discussion. <laughs> <laughs> so let's uh, talk about the the issue which seems to dominate every 
UK nations elections, bar England, of course, is uh, devolution. So, hmm. interestingly, uh, so Wales has a, well, until this uh, century, Wales had a bit of a sceptical history of devolution. So, in 1979, Wales rejected a devolved assembly by 80 to 20 percent mm. and about 18 years later uh, you did approve it via referendum but with the finest of margins like 0.6 percent within it with only a 50 percent turnout and then 2010 there was a much larger support for greater powers in wales uh, yeah. of course there has been a slow growth in support for devolution so what uh, has changed I don't think much has changed. I think I think it's just a want for more local community control. I think that's just natural. I mean, we've seen it across the UK and across the globe, actually, the rise of people that want more local control. You have the Catalonians in Spain, you have the Bretons in France, you have the Texans in America, you have you have the Scots, you have the Welsh, you have the Northern Irish, you have you know, you go anywhere across the world and you're going to have these movements that want more local control because they have a unique culture, they have a unique base. And as time goes on, obviously they've moved away from the old sort of view and they've moved towards a, a more, a more we want local control, we want a better community type view. And obviously Wales as a nation, as part of the UK, we should get that sort of devolved parliament and so should get that. Hmm? So would you say that uh, devolution has been a success for Wales? I'd, I think it's had some positives. Obviously, I'm not going to bash it. I love devolution. I, lo I love the idea of it. I, I like the idea of a, of a federal United Kingdom, you know, a, a system that is much more equal to what we have now, where, uh, well, to what we had even before, where Wales was suppressed for many hundreds of years. We weren't even considered a nation in the legal sense mm. for many hundreds of years, you know? And compared to that now, it's fantastic, the, the system we currently got. But there's still a lot of ways to go. I mean, obviously, I, I, I'm going to say one thing, is that we haven't really had complete powers until 2010. Because 2010, 2011 is when the Welsh uh, referendum, which enacted uh, the 20 um devolved subjects which included culture and a plethora of other areas including transport and then they bought up cardiff airport but i think there's been some success stories i think I, I, cardiff airport for one was a good idea although it was starting to turn it was starting to turn a profit under government control you know up until up until covid and then boosh you know what i mean mm. And a lot of people criticise it because at the moment it's really downvalued, but obviously that's because of COVID, because if you look at any airport-type business or plane business, they're all devalued at the moment because of COVID. But I think there have been some successes. I mean, you look at the cooperation agreement, you look at the first part of the Plight Labour Cooperation Agreement, and you go, yes, 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 because they're pushing a lot of things that I think Welsh people want. But then Wait. you have the big bats. You have the big bus at the end, you know. You have Labour who've been in charge, you think effectively, they've been in charge since Blair 1997 in Wales, you know, because they had the Labour up until 2010, and then 2010 they got the 20 devolved subject areas. Well, they had Labour nationally until 2010, you mm -hmm. know, which had control over the 
complete control over the UK legislature, yada, yada, yada. And then from 10 to 2010 onward, you had Labour control over the 20 devolved subject areas. So you think about how long Labour's really been in controlling Wales, and it's been over 20 years in um in a legislative capacity, they've been in control. And obviously, after 20 years of being in power, you're going to have a lot of mistakes. And there are a lot of mistakes, and there are tons of mistakes. And I think generally, after 20, after more than 20 years in local power and then into devolved power, you're going to have a lot of incompetencies too and a lot of issues. I mean, prime example, the M4 Relief Road, you know, 2016 Labour Manifesto, they promised we will deliver an M4 Relief Road for the Welsh people. And a lot of people that I know are probably going, oh my God, now because I always go on about it, you know, it's, it's a main, it's a, it's a big Thing, you know, because the current M4, if if you don't know, the M4 corridor that goes across Wales has the green glass tunnels, and you have a multi-laned motorway going into like a two-lane road, which is an uh, because the tunnel is over sixty years old, so it's outdated, and you can't really extend the tunnel because on top of the tunnel now there are housing, which would cost uh. an astronomical amount to sort of modify. So a, a proposal was that uh, around the south of Wales, you build a new road. Which there was the issue then, you know, that the, the Gwent, um, what do they call it? The Gwent, is it the level? It's it's basically an area of swamp land that is that has is a lot of little animals, etc. You know, it's a natural, it's an environment that's relatively good actually. But you know, a Labour said we will deliver an M4 relief road, which will go. I think this. I don't know what route they said. They didn't choose a route at that time. I don't think. No, they didn't. But that they will go through and it would have gone through Newport Docks and they would have looped round and then joined the M4 on a certain area. But it would have improved transport in Wales because it would have taken a lot from the M4 and put it onto the new road, which would have evened out the traffic a bit more, which could have helped more people sway into Wales. And Labour said in 2019, we will deliver, we will build the M4 relief road. They didn't. And they cancelled it in, as well, in 20. No, they said in 2016 that they will build it, and then mm. they cancelled it in 2019. Mark Drayford did because of the environmental effect. But then why why say we will deliver? And then there are a plethora of other issues. I mean, there's um there was an issue around health, which I'm not going to speak on because I don't know enough about it. There, there was an issue around what is it? Waiting times. Well, like NHS wasting times, yeah, but there's, there are a plethora of issues because of the default, well, not because of the default system, but because of the incompetencies that are currently in the default system. But obviously, again, there are lots of opportunities and it's good to have a localised system of government. You look at, well, the, the newest example is the, um, is the Transport for Wales project, which is brilliant. You know, uh, the current... Currently, they still haven't electrified the railroad to where I well, not where I am, obviously, but a bit further down into Kitty. Uh, they haven't electrified, to my knowledge, mind they might have now, but to my knowledge, they haven't electrified it yet, and they're still using the old diesel. I I, I remember one of my friend, Welsh friends showed me a, a map of the the Welsh train lines, and I think it was the most depressing uh, map I've ever seen. It, it just seems horribly underfunded the, the well, I mean, transports you, you can't get a you can't get a train or a bus really to north wales it, it would take mm. longer to get transport to north wales than it would to <laughs> london in wales 
type in. You can get you can get a roughly three hour bus to go from where I am, more or less, to London. But then it would take you something like eight hours to get to North Wales. And you think that's the same country, you know, it's the same nation within the United Kingdom, yeah. you know, Wales the whole. You think it's ridiculous, you know. What we should be doing, I think, probably is trying to prioritise routes to North Wales, better connect Wales, but you know <laughs> it, it's difficult because a lot of it in between it is mountain too but another idea would probably be to run across the coast that would probably be a good one nice holiday in St David's then for me <laughs> <laughs> one one criticism that people often have about uh, devolution is that we're over governed at times so you have essentially three levels of democracy in the devolved Government. You have local council, you have the Senate, obviously, in Wales and Holyrood in, in Scotland, and then you have Westminster, and sometimes they're badly connected with one another, and it seems to me a lot of big issues can be turned into political footballs where nobody can really take accountability. There's always arguments no, I think, about I think, who... I think there are quite, I think there are quite clear rules. I mean, there have been a few court cases over, actually, this is where my legal site comes in. <laughs> but um, th there have been a few court cases, but the, the 20 devolved subject, uh, well, subject areas are quite clearly outlined. And then you have further devolved areas that are also clearly outlined in legislation. The, the Welsh um, constitution, as it were, is much more clearly defined than the UK common law system. So you can't argue, oh, it's a complex mess. It is slightly, but it's less complex than the UK system overall, I'd probably argue. Of course, I've, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's more clearly defined in the Welsh system, I would say, especially this court case itself more clearly defined it. But I... the, the three system, uh, the three different governments, then you know, you have the local level, then you have the national level, which is Wales, and then you have the union level, which is the United mm. Kingdom. On that, I think there is a there is a convention, or I think it's a convention, I don't know if it's a convention, but I think there's a general. Then where where um, MPs agree not to go on to uh, Welsh issues, you know, as in like um, devolved subject areas. I think that's a general thing. So you don't you're not really having three layers of government. What you're having is a local government that has largely absorbed the powers that were that the national government used to. Which is which is one of the reasons why I think MPs should probably probably have their wages decreased because a lot of their duties now have now gone to the Welsh MPs, that is, a lot of their duties now have now gone to the devolved legislature, mm. which it would it would make sense then if, if the devolved legislature is doing more and the MPs are doing less, you cut their wages. And I, I, that's something that I think should be looked into, you know, a general a general thing that should be looked into. But of course, they still do a plethora of other things than MPs. But we, we should at least review the idea of that, mm. you know what I mean? So that we can we can get a general we can get a general idea of how to decrease um, decrease uh, spending when yeah. it comes to stuff like that stuff like useless spending that doesn't really you know overpaying people and then we can focus on paying more nurses we can get more nurses in I mean you say about the uh, nurses in Wales of course it, there, there's a nurse issue in the UK generally they were the Tories said they were trained something like reading it this morning <laughs> something 20, like three thousand 
Oh. I think it was something like three thousand, uh, thirty thousand. Sorry, I'm thinking of police officers. <laughs> but then, yeah. but then the needed amount overall is actually well. The, there's still a demand for someone like fifty thousand. Then, mm. so obviously the UK overall is having a crisis over nursing and doctors. I don't think it could be mainly aimed at Wales. I think it's a national issue, and when people try and try and aim it at Wales or aim it at England or aim it at Scotland, I don't think that's quite fair. I think it's fair when it comes to the systems that these areas use, but when it comes to the amount of nurses these areas have, the only thing it's fair is if if different areas have different pay for the nurses, which obviously would encourage more nurses to go into different different areas, and of course more not more pay for these public sector workers is great. Because they deserve it after the hard work they've done, the commitment mm. they've in COVID. You know what I mean? But yeah, but it, I think there's also uh, this goes on to something else. But the, we'll probably I don't know if we're going to talk about that next or if that or if it's more later on. But the whole rise of Welsh nationalism in Wales. Yeah, I think well, a lot of it goes just, on to that too. That's exactly what I was moving on to actually. So. Uh, I'll repeat the same thing I said in the Northern Ireland episode. Uh, I, I still haven't been able to find his name, but there was a Labour MP in the 1990s who said that uh, devolution was a one-way road to uh, separatism and, and independence. Um, so the latest polls in Wales, there was one poll. Yeah, but you're looking at the polls, but you look at actual election. You look at Plaid Cymru vote, for example. You know, in the nineteen in the nineteen ninety nine uh, Welsh local elections, Plaid Cymru got eighteen point two percent of the vote. In the twenty seventeen Welsh local elections, it was sixteen point one. Mm. In the nineteen ninety one Welsh Assembly elections, Plaid got twenty eight point four percent of the vote. In the twenty twenty one Welsh Senate elections, Plaid got twenty percent of the vote. You know, this doesn't seem like it's an increase in it. seems like it's either, in the case of the uh, local elections, it's probably more stagnating. And in the case of the um, of the Senate forward slash assembly, formerly assembly, now Senate elections, it seems like it's decreased slightly, you know, by 8% between mm -hmm. 1999 and 2021. And, you know, and then you look at Yes Cymru, you know, Yes Cymru on 9th of March 2021 claimed they had 18,000 members. By December, that had declined to 9,000. And I think it further declined to 8,000 again, um, according to Wales Online. Uh, for reference, though, at its height, it had roughly 0.6% of the population. So people that claim that devolution promotes nationalism, I don't think it's necessarily correct. I think, if anything, it's an argument against Welsh nationalism, because you're saying, look, we have this local control here. It's, it's, it's helping us in some ways. It's obviously disadvantaged in other ways, we'll admit, but it's, it's local control. And obviously, we're going to demand greater local control, but that's not an argument for independence having um, a devolved system and quite clearly it's not promoting independence in the way that most people thought electorally i'm not going to say about scotland i don't know much about scotland but um it's it's i would say it's a, a vanguard against independence because you're giving people that local control you're giving people that local representation they want that, to address local issues i'd say independence 
I, I'd say um, devolution does that. It addresses these local issues that mm. wouldn't be addressed otherwise on a UK-wide scale. So would you agree with uh, Gordon Brown that in order to save the union, we, we need a lot more, firstly, more devolution, and secondly, to, to federalise the, the United Kingdom? I would absolutely agree with Gordon Brown on that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not something that I would say every day. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I would agree with Gordon Brown on that. Um, and, and just the sort of the flip side, uh, we have uh, Boris Johnson's uh, Project Love. Uh, the, the name always kills me, but uh, basically he wants to, uh, like just like the EU was doing, so whenever it would lend money or, or fund a sort of project somewhere that they would slap the EU flag on it. He yeah. basically wants to do the same. He wants to, mm. first of all, bypass devolved governments and fund directly these infrastructures and then put the union jack on it. Is which that something generally, that would go down well? Which generally, it seems quite stupid because you look at HS2 <laughs> and it's cast as a UK-wide project, yeah. which means more, which means money that would have been used for Welsh transport is being taken away from Wales, which is ridiculous. And then he's given us this money and he's going, oh, we'll slap a union jack on it and this come from the UK government. You know, it's, <laughs> it, 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 ironically, it sounded a bit like the, you know, the Remain EU argument, but, you know, it... it what Wales needs at the moment is greater tax devolution powers. That's what I think. And that way, you can't have Labour arguing, oh, we can't control much of our budget. It's all up to the UK government. If you give greater control to Labour, as we've seen in Scotland as of late, I, I think, mm -hmm. from what I hear, the, the, the Poland Nicola Sturgeon, I think, heard argument about, um, about it being the UK government's fault is starting to falter because of the greater devolution she has. But as, as I think we've seen there, they can't really use that excuse if it's not true. They, you can't blame it on the UK government because obviously, the, the, yeah, I, 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 I like the general idea though of the fund as a, of a UK national fund, but I think it probably should be more towards businesses in those areas rather um, than going above the heads of, hmm. but even then I think it probably does go above the heads of the devolved nations. Probably with permission of the devolved nations then, or maybe give the funding to the devolved nations directly and allow them to do it with certain pre 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 precautions to sort of go, this is, uh, this is what you have to do when you use the funds, you know, slap a union jack on it or whatever. But, you know, it's, <laughs> it, it's, it's, it seems just like sloppy crap, you know, it's not, why do we, why do we want to have union jack? Why do we want to have European or Union Jacks on everything when we know it's just it's money funded by the public? We should be proud of projects that are yeah, done by the public. Yeah. We, it shouldn't matter where it comes from. Well, it does matter where it comes from, but it shouldn't be branded where it comes from, sort of thing. It, it, it comes out of the overall treasury pot anyway. And uh, levelling up, is that something that uh, the, uh, Welsh, again, the Welsh the believe? Whole... The whole leveling up thing. So from what I've seen, it's it's just it, again it, it it's a it's an it's lower than what the EU would have given us because obviously they're Tories they don't uh, they don't like spending, <laughs> <laughs> but you know it, it it's lower than the European Union would have given us, which is fair, sort of, but not really. They they probably should be, and 
I haven't seen much of leveling up around my area. Neither have I. Uh, if you look at from a personal point of view, I don't think many people have seen leveling up. I, I saw one article, it, it was something like one third of what the European Union, don't quote me on it, <laughs> obviously, because I don't know. But it, it, I know it's, it's quite a substantial amount less and it's not as much as they make out to be and it's not does anyone know what it means as well what is leveling up i think that was mainly a thing for the north too mainly an issue for the north leveling up despite the fact you know wales needs leveling up too i mean we've got 30 percent child poverty rate ish in my constituency alone the constituency next door 30 percent child poverty rate which is a failure of the devolved and national governments because mm, mm. obviously you had the 10 years of labor between uh, 90, well, roughly 10 years between 1997 and 2010. And then you have the 10 years of devolved labour between now and 2010, where they had these, where they had devolved powers on these issues. So I think it's a failure of both governments to properly counter the issue. Obviously, I will be fair to labour. They haven't had the full powers to really do what they can, but they could have done more. They could have wasted less on stupid vanity projects. I mean, the Senate, for example, cost something like 20,000. No, what was it in repairs? What was it? Let me quickly uh, Google it. <laughs> Probably not the best thing to do. Pretty ugly building as well. Not, not mine. I, I'm not a fan of it. I prefer... There was the Cardiff Coal Exchange, which was a, which was a competing area. And... I'll, I'll give it one thing though. It's not as ugly as Holyrood. That's going to be one of the the worst buildings I've. There I've we ever go. Senate, Senate racks up a hundred and fifty-seven thousand repair bill after five years. I mean, it, it, these modern art buildings are not built to last, really, are they? You know, no, no. What what we need, what we need, I think, in my opinion, obviously some people like it, but what, in my opinion, we needed was something that resembled Welsh culture more. You know, maybe some of you wearing Grindel's coat of arms on and and a bit more pomp and circumstance for Wales. You know, they've got, um, or maybe something more to do with the coal mining industry, because that was very prevalent in the South, although mm. I think that might be overly South-based, but you could add some things to placade uh, to uh, make the North and the Mid, and to make the North and Mid Wales more happy, you know, and add more to do with them onto the building. I mean, one, one competing area was the Welsh... I think that's the former Welsh Coal Exchange, I think. But I, I like the look of the building. It probably would have looked more, more a parliamentarian sort of thing. But obviously, I, I like the look of parliamentarianism rather than, uh, you know, <laughs> that glass monstrosity down in Cardiff Bay. <laughs> <laughs> but some people like it. But, um, you know, I, I like the um, Pierhead building next to it more. Than the Senate building. I think that's a lovely building. It's in uh, Gothic style. I don't know if it's that, that red building. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's that's nice. It's, you look if you if you've ever been around there and you look around the building, you, you'll see all these little details on there. Like um, you see a coat of arms from the glue. You see little dragons on the side, and it's 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 beautiful. And that's much more, I think, representative representative of Welsh culture mm. than a glass than a glass building with a flat roof with like a little funnel in the middle of it you know uh i myself would have would have just built another castle because uh every time i go to wales i just have to visit a castle it's uh 
Well, yeah. it depends where you go in Wales, depending on the age of the castle, to be honest. I mean, Philly Castle is an old castle, but it was rebuilt by the Buttes. No, it wasn't the Buttes, the Buttes of Cardiff. And it wasn't rebuilt, it was rebuilt, was it the Buttes? It was rebuilt. It was most of it has been rebuilt as time goes on, and a lot of people don't like that. And I, I personally don't like. I, I, you look at the portraits prior to its rebuilt reconstruction, slight reconstruction, and you see the way it looked older, and you could see the Leaning Tower more, and it was more viney. It looked more historical, I think, and it looked nicer, generally. Mm, I prefer. Mm. I if you're gonna keep if you're gonna have something historical, I don't like reconstruction of it. I prefer to keep it as historically accurate and historical as possible because I think it looks more genuine. It looks nicer. Although the castle as it is now looks amazing. You've got the lake around it. Mm. And you've got the little park around it. Although they're, they're on about demolishing part of the park, uh, the Yawain Dual Park, which is a little bit next to it, to build caravan to put caravans there, <laughs> uh, which is another unpopular thing. You know, <laughs> it's it's again it's it's terrible i think labor have partly lost touch with the tradition of welsh culture and tradition of mining culture overall and they've gone for this sort of modern green culture that they want to push for which is all right we do need to go more green we do need better public transport these are things that should be worked on and yes they should but the aesthetic of it like the like the senate it you know the um it was made, but I think I think the same artist did. You know that it was the inside out. You know the inside out building in London, the famous one, Oof, where they um, I don't think made so, the no. building. Well, they made they made a building look inside out. I think it was a bank or something. No, I think it's it's one of the banks. I think it might be uh, that West or it might be. It's one of them. They made an inside out building type thing, and it was made by the same artist as that. Which obviously I don't like it. But other people <laughs> do. I I'm not gonna. I I. Obviously, I'm criticising it over its art, and I'm being quite a funny about it now. But, you know, obviously some people do like it. I'm just not personally a fan. <laughs> well, my, my, my saying is always uh, reject uh, modernity, embrace tradition. Not everyone's cup of tea, unfortunately. I, I think... I think... Because it doesn't have to be... It doesn't have to look old to be traditional. You know what I mean? You can have more modern mm. buildings that are older. It it doesn't have to be uh, get rid of modernity. It just has to be modernity that suits in with the local culture. You don't. Mm. You get what I mean? But uh, yeah. <laughs> but obviously, um, yeah. Well, before we we uh, go off on a tangent too much. Um, Let's talk about some sort of uh, analysis or uh, predictions. So uh, it's it's an interesting test for Labour uh, because there are four sort of councils uh, which are in the sort of Red War constituencies, which they lost in 2019. So we've got um, Bridgent Council, Flintshire, Wrexham, and the Den Denbigshire, sorry if I'm mispronouncing that, uh, where they've they've lost they lost control of all these councils. Uh, well, most of them. Well, yeah, all, all four of them, and it's constituencies which they lost to the Tories in 2019. So it'd be an interesting test to see if they can. I think if they're failing to really make ground in these sort of areas, 
It, it, then... I think it depends partly, though, on if independents control these councils. Because I think, it, again, I think it, we'll see the rise in this election, probably a slight rise, probably not a major rise, but a slight rise at least. We'll probably we'll probably see a bit of a Labour growth because the Tories have been absolutely incompetent. But I, I think independents and small parties have got a real chance in this election because COVID's largely over. People can actually campaign smaller parties mm. and get out there. It, it, there's not the sort of restrictions that make the police warn you anymore if if uh, you're campaigning there's sort of restrictions that you know you can just go out and as long as you keep relatively safe you wash your hands or you have a hand sanitizer after to keep others safe i think that's the main thing you've got to try and keep others safe as long as you do those basic things i think it's perfectly fine to campaign you know but generally generally i think we're going to see a, a, a rise of independence more in this election and probably a rise in Plaid Cymru and probably a slight rise in Plaid Cymru as well. So I say slight rise, but we I don't honestly know. <laughs> so would you say if Labour weren't to win back as many councils as many people think, you don't think that would necessarily translate into a Westminster vote? You think that this is really specific to these local elections? I, I think, especially for Capilli, a lot of it is really specific, but you also get the same sort of feeling in the general and Senate elections, you know. So, like, they'll go, um, I voted Labour all my life, but they've been terrible, and then they'll switch their vote like that. Or generally, there'll be a party that, tr- that they'll vote for to try and get Labour out. So in Blaine Gwent, there was a party called People's Voice, which was split from Labour, and they dominated the council until... Peter Lloyd, uh, no, it was Peter Law, sorry, the leader of People's Voice passed away. And it was, it, they won Westminster, they won the Westminster seat, uh, they won uh, assembly at that point, election seats, and they, was, they were a quite good party because they were, they were Labour, but they rejected the sort of politics of, uh, I, I would say they rejected the sort of politics that Labour push when it comes to the social progressive issues because they they split. Brian Gwent split with Labour. Brian Gwent people split with Labour. It was over the thing where they were pushing female candidates rather than having it through democratic means. They were pushing it like directly, mm. which I think is the reason why Peter Law left Labour and split off and created his own little movement, which is understandable to be honest. Because if it's in that circumstance, if it's like that, I think it's somewhat undemocratic. It's like the alliance, you know. I'm not a fan of electoral alliances where you don't we agree not to stand in other people's constituencies if they don't stand in yours. I don't like that. I think it's un, I think it's I think it's undemocratic. I can understand if you're not going to run in there anyway because you haven't got a candidate. I think that's much more understandable if mm. you've got the little alliance on because you're not going to run in there anyway. But if if you were going to run and then you stop running because you've made a deal i think that's terrible honestly absolutely terrible uh, i'd like to agree with you but uh, we've got the upcoming legislative elections in france and uh, in all honesty we have to do all we can to stop uh, macron getting his majority so I, i i am hoping for a bit of an alliance between the the populist parties but uh but whole, generally, like, though, generally hmm. though, it, 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 it may not translate across. I mean, you might have a person that will vote for the Brexit party, and, uh, and then the Brexit party agrees to stand down for the Tories, 
and then that person might be on the left, so they might end up voting yeah. Labour instead. So it doesn't always cross over, and I, I think that's a major. I think that's a major thing that people don't consider. But further, I think it should, again. I just think it's undemocratic because generally you should you should allow the voters to pick what party they want to vote for. Generally, although again, I haven't gone on about this, but first past the post is a naturally unfair system. But that's just reminded me about the Senate thing. So a quick digress onto the Senate, back onto this and around Labour winning in the Senate. There is also the whole thing that the Senate elections do have a natural bias for Labour. Of course, it's it's over the overwhelming amount is constituency, not regional based. So because it's constituency based overwhelmingly, Labour do end up doing better. So they got in the constituency vote, I think they got let me just they got something around 30% or 40%. Well but um then they end up winning 50% of the seats. Which is it's undemocratic. It's 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 not a it's, it, well it, it is democratic, but it, it it's 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 preventing it's preventing voices going out there that should be going out there. Which is why they set up. I think it's probably one of the reasons why they set up this constitutional committee. Uh, have you heard about that? The, the independent commission on the constitutional future no, of Wales. Could, could you describe what that is briefly? In, in essence, they're going to ask the public in Wales what they want. In, they've already done that now. So if, if you're Welsh and you're listening to this, go and share your opinions on there. Quickly go on to the Senate. Make sure you get your opinions across. Although it is mostly, I think it's mostly independent, you know, as implied type people, pro-independent people dominated, mm. I think. Um, but yeah, it, it's, they talk about... Uh, I think the main thing is that they're going to try and suggest reforms to the current system in Wales. So a greater number of seats is probably one aspect that was in the cooperation agreement. The uh, the plight labour cooperation mm. agreement is that they want to increase the number of seats, or they might um, in uh, sorry in the Senate or in Westminster. In, in the Senate, they they don't have any power over Westminster seats, oh, okay. obviously, because Westminster seats are decreasing. And I don't know if you've seen the constituency borders for that that they. Yeah, you lost avoid eight saying, seats, I think. Well, it's not It's not so much... that. Well, it is the losing of seats, but the worst part is the borders that they've drawn. Honestly, they're absolutely... They've moved part of Caerphilly, or they've merged Caerphilly, which is an area closer to Carter, which is an area quite close to Carter, into part of Newport. And it's... You oh. look at the borders, and it's just madness. Hopefully, these are not the final borders. Hopefully, they don't settle on these ones, these current ones, because they're absolutely terrible. But... They, they might do, you know, and not just that. Overall, the 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 changing of the border. This is digressing again, but the, the, the way they change in the borders, UK wide, is going to give a benefit to the Tories. You know, if if they had, um, I think it was said that if they had the borders that they suggested in in twenty seventeen in the twenty seventeen election, then the Tories would have won a larger majority, which. Yeah, mm, you know mm. it's it's uh. But then again, again, I'm not one for first past the post. I'm I dislike the system, and I don't think it's a fair system on the electors, on on people that vote because it it naturally you know, you you realistically in first past the post have a choice between two, 
you have a choice between Labour or Tory, you have a choice between Liberal Democrat mm. or Tory in the South, or you have a choice in the North of between, well, Labour and Tory, or in Scotland between probably Labour and Tory and no, SMP. It's mostly SNP versus Labour and Tory, isn't yeah. it? But, um, yeah, general or Liberal Democrat in most areas, actually. Liberal well, Democrats are doing quite well. But, one, hmm? thing, one thing I do quite like about First Past the Post compared to... Uh, uh, proportional representation is that on paper you can hold every politician accountable so if uh, you could you could you could you could sort of do that with mmp really realistically you know you, you've got you've got regional seats which you could probably probably devise a system by which you get a certain amount of electors to iced a regional problem, the problem with uh, list uh, pr is that you have the same people who are always top of the list. So even if your your party doesn't do as well, it's going to be the same sort of unpopular politicians who are top of the list and being uh, re-elected every time. In, in France, they have this system. And uh, it's it, like there were some people who were in the National Assembly who were hated, who were there for 40, 50 years. You, 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 get, that in the, you get that in the current system too. Yeah, but... Like, for example, we, we managed to get rid of Nick Clegg. Uh, you know, it, you know, you, you can get, I know that the, the parachuted it, into safe seat, but on paper, they can be sacked by the, the public, is what I mean. On, on paper, but in effect, yeah. There's <laughs> one thing on paper and there's another thing in practice, isn't there? You know, but again, it, it's just unfit. You like you keep in, in the, um, was it was it the 2015, 2015 general yeah. election? You know, they had a mass amount. Was it the 2015 general election that they got quite good in? Yeah, um, 2015. They, they got, uh, was it 20, 20% of the vote or am I inflating that? Oh, uh, you now. I'm just quickly looking. But, um, you know, they got that huge amount of the votes. But yet they only won, was it? One seat. They got twelve point six percent, you know, of the national vote, and they win one seat. Tories get thirty six point eight percent, and they were the ones that won the election, and they get three hundred and thirty seats. You know, it, it's a disparity. It's unfair to the voters that vote for UKIP. You know, their voices are not being represented. Represented. You know. Uh, I think. Our, our party as well, the SDP, uh, we uh, got something like, we, we only got 1% less than Labour in the 1980s. I'm not sure exactly which one it was, but we only got 25 seats, whereas Labour got 200 odd seats, mm. I think, somewhere in mm. the 1980s, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, but of course, yes. I, I'm hoping that this election will be a good opportunity for SDP Wales to grow. Like, we're on about predictions now. Hopefully, going back to predictions a little bit more, a little bit probably more on topic. But you know, we've been inactive for a few. We've not been so active for a few years. We were going to run last year, but then we saw the COVID situation and we couldn't really effectively campaign because mm. of the rules in place. Twenty nineteen, we didn't. We ran in a Newport by election, but nothing since then. But 2019, I, do, I don't think we had any. We might have, but I, don't quote me. But nothing really since 2019, we'll say. Well, they, they were they were cancelled, I believe, 
low 2019 low oh no sorry that's 2020 yeah sorry 2019 yeah mm. yeah but that's this is what i mean um but you look at you go back to like early sdp this this iteration and we had a strong base in port albert you know in wales you know we had three council members and hopefully not so much the council members in, but the overall, well, hopefully the council members in, but overall support Wales wide, hopefully we'll be able to gain, we'll be able to gain that sort of support once again, you know, the, the base in Wales, that's what I'm hoping one day, because again, the, the, the iteration, the current iteration survived, I would say, through the Welsh, uh, through the Welsh people in Port Albert. Yeah. Uh, At least I, I... partly. And also someone up north, but obviously I'm going to focus on Wales because I'm a Welshman. <laughs> <laughs> and so just to finish off then, are there any councils that we should look out for, for the, for the political geeks? Uh, is there any battles that you're looking forward to? Um, obviously my own in Wales. Uh, Wayne Dixon's, obviously. But if we're on about uh, Wales specifically, um, Propel, a lot of the Propel seats. Neil McAvoy, who's in Water, I think it's Waterfield, right there. Uh, do you know who Neil McAvoy is? He splits off from uh, Plaid and made his own, yes. another independent party. He made his own political party. He's, he's more populist than Plaid too, and he's generally more liked in the valleys but he's sort of like Nigel Farage in like he, not in like his overall thin but in like he's marmalade man you know uh, some people like him some people hate him but um he's currently a member in Cardiff in Cardiff uh let me find it oh, sorry no. <laughs> probably should have uh prepared this well. but he he's um a council member in Cardiff in Cardiff council and Riverside, there we go. And uh, he won last time because he was part of Pride. But this time, um, I don't know. Goodness knows. <laughs> Hang on, was it Riverside? Yeah, it was Riverside. So what's going on with this? It must have been a by-election. But yeah, I, th I, I think um, I'm hoping, well, I'm not hoping, but I think it's going to be very interesting look at, at the Propel seats. Because I uh, think did, Propel's... Do they have a few? Pardon? So they, they have a few just because they... they, they most, of the, uh, most of the ones they got now are played splits. But I yeah. think Propel's got a really... Uh, most, I think they've got a good base in the Valley to take from played. So it'll be interesting to see how they do. So mostly Neil McAvoy seat in Cardiff. Oh, okay. That's... Because depending on how well he does, will be depending on, and he's well liked there as well. He's hard working. He's well liked there from people that I know who are there. But I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing how it goes for Propel because I think they've got much more of a voice. In Welsh politics, obviously, than than abolish the Welsh Assembly Party, who lost all but one councillor, you know, because they're an absolute joke at the moment. But yeah, I, I keep an eye on Propel seat seats overall in Wales. Oh, okay. But again, SDP wise, Wayne Dixon, 
I'm, I'm very hopeful he'll win his oh, league this yeah. year, and I think I, 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 I think he will. <laughs> I don't want to jinx it. Actually, touch wood. Yeah, hope he will. He, he definitely deserves it. All the the he's, work he's he, put in, all all the campaigning. You see him every day on the social media, and all the work everyone else up there does as well is fantastic. You know, all, all that hard work, and they've. I, I mean, he's going up quite quite good every year. So I I, I hope he wins this year. Mm. I do. Good guy as well. Oh, very. Um, well, my my sort of suggestions then. Uh, I think Wrexham will definitely be an interesting one to look at. So, mm, if you're just... looking for the general Tory versus Labour, because mm. mm. uh, yeah, so it, it was Labour early on in the devolution times, but it's been no overall control for a while, and actually. Labour have fallen below the Tories who are in a coalition with uh, independents. Um, but the, there's been a few controversial like decisions like city status bid, which hasn't gone down too well for some. Um, you know, there's been a highly publicised council tax spat, uh, protests over housing development. So, of course, it's a, it's a very mm. similar situation to Bridgend, isn't it? You know, Bridgend has overall no control. It was run by the Tories last year, was it? Last, no, it was 2019. It was run by the Tories. Vale of Glamorgan, is, that's a contested one, but that's traditionally Tory. But I think in the council, it's no overall control. Yeah. I yeah. don't know. The Tories uh, Bridgend, only have one council. In the south, I'd say Bridgend. Uh... I don't know. Maybe I, I don't know if what's I don't know what's happening in Blaine Gwent or Merthyr. Uh Ron and Caffilly obviously are going to be quite interesting because they have high Plaid support typically. And mm. I think Plaid's going to do quite well in Caffilly and possibly the Ronda too, but I think they're pretty much slid the fight they're controlling the Ronda. Uh for Talbot, Labour. I think they'll say Labour, Swansea. I think it'll go. I think it'll stay Labour. Generally, I think we'll see some. I think we might see a plague, another plague council. I don't know. Maybe, probably, in West Wales. But I think generally, little's really going to change. I think Bridgend will probably be. I think Bridgend will probably be run by Labour again. Glamorgan, Vela Glamorgan will probably have overall no control. Blaine Gwent, Dunno, Mercer, Dunno. And I think, uh, Flint Flintshire is is Labour is one off a majority, so good chance yeah. that they might they may pinch that back. The game. Yeah. That's that's things I can see happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The Liberal Democrats will probably do quite well in Brecon and Ragnashaw. But uh you know, Wales is a very relatively stable place. Mm. But uh, I, you don't know half the time. I think politics is just such an unpredictable game. You could, you can never know. You know. Who would have done the Brexit result in uh, yeah. 20, 2016? <laughs> That's why we love it. That's why we love mm. it. <laughs> well, as a, someone who finds it entertaining anyway. Mm. Uh, okay, then. So, uh, yeah, I think we've said uh, all we've had to say. Um, Jacob, thanks very much for uh, 
for coming on and, and speaking to us. Thank you for having me. And uh, thank you to all the, the listeners once again for tuning in. Um, next episode will be recorded this Thursday on the Scottish local elections. Um, and I look forward to seeing the results come in on the 5th and 6th of May. So thank you very much, everyone, and uh, see you soon.